Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, also known as Mr. Call Screener to all of my Levinite brethren. Now... It is the first time that we're broadcasting from our new bunker. That's right. We are not 17 floors above Madison Square Garden, where Mr. Producer and I typically produce the program. But we are in the bowels of a very descript building where the spirit of Walter Cronkite lives on. So keep us in your prayers, Levinites. Now, I'm thrilled that the Great One has tagged me in yet again to cover for him for these three precious hours of talk radio tonight. He's on a secret, top-secret mission right now in Israel with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, I'm going to be giving you guys a sneak peek of what Mark is working on, but he is going to reveal the whole project in its entirety this Sunday night on the Fox News Channel. Now, I know you guys aren't going to miss it because you're going to set your DVRs, you're going to put a reminder in your smartphone, You're going to make sure that you do not miss Mark Levin one-on-one with Bibi Netanyahu this Sunday night at 8 p.m. Again, my name is Rich Valdez with an S, and that's at Rich Valdez on Twitter. I am the host of the This Is America podcast series here at Mark's New York City affiliate, WABC. By the way, Rich has a great podcast, too. Now, we all know that all of us in talk radio have a voice. Some of us have a voice that's bigger than others, but it doesn't matter how big your microphone is because without you, the listeners, there is no talk radio. Without voters, there's no winning elections. And without soldiers, there's no army. Soldiers are the key component. You are the key component. So what is it that we can do, Rich? I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at how Beto O'Rourke was elected originally to Congress. Hipsters and millennials, progressives, they were imported from blue states because they want to win. So they're willing to uproot their lives and move to another state just to help Beto. And now those same people are likely Bernie bros. Let's look at how Colorado became a blue state several years back. It's literally explained in a book called The Blueprint. And that's not an endorsement for that book, but the book spells it out. Just like Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals spells out their rules. The great one on this show has noted many times that he himself has studied Marx's manifesto. We must know the ideology of our enemy's game plan because that is a huge benefit. Or maybe I should say huge. But it's an incredible advantage for us. For you, me, any of us that are taking on the left. And the way they did it in in the uh, blueprint, they raised money from LGBT supporters and donors all over America to win one state assembly seat 
then a congressional seat, working their way up to win the governorship, and then the U.S. Senate. And it's taken Jared Polis a decade to pull it off, but he has. Here's the deal. Imagine if in the American Revolution, General George Washington, frankly, just ran around frantically asking the pamphleteers, what should we do? Asking Thomas Paine, what should we do? Instead of confidently telling the troops what to do. Slow and steady is what wins the race here. Everybody has a job in this. This isn't a spectator sport. This is a battle of ideas, and it goes way beyond the ballot box. That's why we see so many rogue saboteurs right inside our very government. Leftists are out of control. Literally, full-on out of control. They can't help but be leftists. And they make insane choices. Insanity, like the Mueller investigation, or the illegitimate impeachment inquiry. Or look at how leftists are behaving globally. For example, in Israel. The way they treat Prime Minister Netanyahu. The same way they've treated Trump. Unfairly. Going after their family members. With lies. Phony legal action. And smears. Why? To muddy the waters. To damage their credibility. By attacking their character. Now, I'm preaching to the choir. We see this stuff on social media every day. If you make a logical point that refutes something that a left-wing progressive Democrat says, they come straight for your neck, straight for your morality, painting you as subhuman, unhuman, and immoral. It's literally in their playbook. If you disagree with them, then you're an immoral racist. But raise your hand. Now, not really. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. But if you think the voters in Adam Schiff's district are in control, do you think they can vote him out? Maybe if they really wanted to, but no, of course not. He's in control. He's amassed so much power. And not just him, but so many of these multi-generational politicians. There's no term limits. So when people ask me, how do we stop all of this from happening again? I say, we have to get them out. And the emphasis on we, you, me, other faithful patriots, we must replace them. Trust me, the idea of leaving the comfort zone of my home to challenge the socialist ideology promoted by all-out crazy AOC, the Che Guevara of Bernie Sanders' Bolshevik takeover of America, has crossed my mind. I, I considered it, but she ran away. And uh, maybe I'll tell that story a little later. But if not, you could check it out in the New York Post or the Washington Times. The reality is we have to make no mistake in our understanding. In order to defeat this idea, we have to be on the front lines. That means organizing in places like New York, organizing in places like San Francisco, conservatives coming together, organizing in places that the Republican Party considers unwinnable. Because trust and believe that the other side is reaching out to younger people, our younger people, our children, our future. So we need to reach out to those same people. 
This is an intellectual battle for the soul of America as we know it. They're infiltrating universities with left-wing professors. So we need to flood those same universities with fair-minded constitutionalists. It's the only way. So while our government may not be free from corruption, and it, it doesn't subsist on corruption, but it has it. And it's because we've embraced capitalism that we have free markets. So we have freedom to kind of combat some of this corruption as citizens. This is kind of what Adam Smith talked about with the invisible hand. And it's that same invisible hand that rings the bell for liberty and pulls the lever for freedom when we vote. Because free markets truly allow us to be a free people. This is where we don't always have to put up with these bad actors and we can catch them and we can hold them accountable. Because we don't rely on the government for our subsistence. Because we have free markets, we can make money and we don't rely on the government for that money. Straight ahead, we've got a lot more to come. We're going to be getting into why capitalism beats socialism every single time, hands down. Why sanctuary cities are deadly and killing Americans. Plus more on how to fight all the foreign influence that's corrupting the Democrats. So get comfortable, turn up the volume, get ready for some America-loving conversation for the next three hours. I'm Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter, sitting in for the great one. Mark Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. And for the lefties out there, 3811. Now, I was, I'm going to get into this article that I saw. and I, the headline, I'll just give you the headline. It says, Progressive Group invests $50 million in 2020, including money in Nevada, ahead of caucuses. And it's by uh, Rachel Scott from ABC News. I think that's key because this is what we just talked about. The left is investing. The left is doing what they have to do. They're laying the groundwork. Remember the the Colorado example. And I don't want to specifically talk about Colorado, but I do want to take note of that. Let all of us take note of that, that, hey, wow, check this out. These guys have a plan. They want to turn one small seat at a time. And they're undeterred in doing it. And this is important. 
because $50 million gets you a lot done in 2020. So check this out. I mean, I'm going to skip over a lot of it. But it says, as the next contest pivots to Nevada, a racially diverse state where minority voters will play a significant role, this progressive group is investing $50 million into the 2020 cycle. And here's a quote from the group's president. We have to scale up and make sure that we can take the big prize, which is the electoral votes. And that's Tori Gavito. He's president or she is president of Way to Win. This progressive group, Way to Win, says they plan to spend $50 million in 10 key battleground states, moving roughly a million dollars into Nevada, including half a million in the last six weeks ahead of the first West. This is the contest they're focusing on, turning out communities of color, tribal communities, and former felons who are now able to vote in the state's caucus this election cycle. So you tell me, if they're setting up a political action committee, they're setting up a PAC, why aren't we? There's an article in the Times about AOC starting a PAC. Why aren't we? If this is how they fight, why aren't we fighting like hell the same way they are to stop their ideas? See, the reality is, along with challenging politicians for political office and voting, we have to challenge the ideas they stand for, especially when those ideas are bad for America. Now, as an American born in New York City to parents born on American soil on the island of Puerto Rico, as a Hispanic, let me be the first to say that AOC does not speak for me. Does she speak for you? The background should be saying, hell no, boo. (laughs) That's why we must defeat this socialist Democrat and so many like her. Before her hatred for capitalism truly roars. Before her PAC raises enough money to elect another 10 or 20 AOCs. It's cause and effect. Before she fundally, excuse me, fundamentally changes the America we all know. The America we all love. We have to take a stand against these ideas. These socialist ideas have only hurt Hispanics in Cuba, Latinos in Venezuela, Chile. What about Nicaragua, where my buddy Urock is? This stuff is detrimental. But our phone number is one. 1- 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. And uh, we have some calls. I want to make sure we go through those so that you guys aren't on hold forever. Let's go with um, Tony. You're on hey. with Rich Valdez. How are you doing, Mr. Valdez? I'm Thanks doing great. My call. You've touched on so many points. You know, that, think of that $50 million, how many homeless San Franciscans they could have fed or veterans they could have helped instead of media saturation with social engineering propaganda. It's disgusting. Yeah, and, it, but, and just that's an excellent point. It, it goes to show that you can organize privately, you can raise money, and you can make a difference doing whatever you want to do. They chose to do it through the media, and I, I get it. It's their right, but you make a, a good point that if you can do it for one thing, you can try to do it for another. The reason I called is I don't normally call shows, but you made a good point when you said when they don't have an argument, they go for the jugular. And, mm-hmm. you know, to articulate it is the, the use of peer pressure is the greatest pressure to withstand, and they use that to a T. 
and they use label fear and otherization in arguments when they don't have intellectual, you know, rebuttals. No one wants to be called a racist in public. No, no one wants to be called a bigot or a homophobe or a xenophobe. And they use those to a T. And like that 50 million is going to media saturate an entire media market. Everybody who's got a Trump or a Republican flag on their garage is going to feel like they're on the fringe, or at least that's what they're hoping. And we, as moral conservative citizens, cannot empower them with that type of label fear. A good example for everybody is the ESPYs when Bruce Jenner went through his transition. All those big manly men, not one of them wanted to be seen sitting down when they all stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And that's how they do this to us. We have to disempower them by not fearing those labels. I agree with you, Tony. You have to stand up to these people. And instead of embracing someone coming out as a transgender uh, individual as courage, we have to. The real courage is standing up for your country. The real courage is standing up for what you believe in, uh, for your family. And and of course, if that's what Bruce Jenner wants to do, good for him. That's not my issue. My issue is America, standing up for America, protecting America. Now, there's another call here that I want to get to because I think they they're bringing up an interesting point. It's what we just spoke about, Chuck in Springfield, Illinois. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing, sir? Doing great, Chuck. Hey, my whole thing is, this morning I was listening to David Webb. Uh, there's a bunch of talk out there mm-hmm. as far as what should we teach our kids. I have five daughters in school. Wow, uh, God the bless STEM you. The STEM program is, thank you, sir. Uh, the STEM program is constantly brought up. But I believe, and I grew up uh, in the South. I grew up in New Orleans. Uh, we had a civics program. It was a given program that you had to go through to graduate and the problem is now in my opinion is they no longer encourage this and or require this and these people that are i want to say hard left or you know even in the middle don't have a clue of what america came from and they in my opinion uh, need to have that at least before they go out and vote or have a idea of what America stands for. Yeah, well, the music means we got to move on, but I think you raise a good point. What's important to recognize here is that, yes, we do have to focus on the education that we impart on our children, and, of course, that starts with us as parents. So give us a call. We want to hear from you. 877-381-3811. Rich Valdez in for the great one. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. 
Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. All right, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on Twitter. And we are talking about capitalism and how it sets you free and how it allows you to have the liberty to fight back in so many ways, to vote with your wallet. But then there's the other side of that, where you don't have that capital. This is what the left tries to feed us every time with, you know, health care is a right and tuition free whatever. And and the reason they have all of that is because they want to focus on inequity. They want to focus on a negative. So I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, every now and again, I go on Newsmax TV and I talk about politics and promote my podcast, This Is America. And I was leaving the studio, walking down the stairs to the subway at the Canal Street station for the A train. And when I get there, I'm walking down the stairs. I look up and like at eye level, I see a handwritten type of graffiti you know, like a Sharpie marker. And it says 10,000 students in New York City are homeless. And I thought to myself, if this is true, because it's so specific, 10,000 students are homeless? I mean, I walk around New York City all the time. And I don't see students that are homeless. I see mainly men that are homeless. But be that as it may, if this is true, why aren't these people radically supporting President Donald Trump? Because I have to ask myself or you ask yourself, what's the difference between somebody who's homeless and somebody who isn't? Obviously, it's a home. But it's the reality that one can afford to pay for housing and the other one can't. So what's the solution to that problem? Cash, right? Earning money, a job. You know, and let's take a minute to give a big shout out to the late, great President Ronald Reagan, whose birthday was earlier this month and famously said, The best anti-poverty program is a job. Jobs are something that Donald Trump has helped create in America to the tune of 7 million new ones. 7 million new jobs have been created in this presidency. So why would a homeless student not support Donald Trump? That's the question. Why? Of course, Reagan also said that government isn't the solution to the problem. Government is the problem. And that's really what we're talking about here. Students that are organizing on campuses in New York or wherever that are going against the president are literally advocating for enslavement to the government. So if, in fact, they are homeless, are, are they? is this like literally like a massive handout that they're looking for? Are they looking for the government to just give them housing, to pay for their school, to maybe be a perpetual student? living in a dorm forever to have this delayed or prolonged adolescence in perpetuity? I don't know. But it's interesting. Very interesting to me that a student would not rather have a job or make money than complain about not having enough. To me, the solution is simple. You do what you can afford to do, and if you can't afford it, you figure out a different way. Make yourself afford it. I mean, it's it's not... We're not talking about a house in the Hamptons that we're telling them to buy. It's going to school. There are affordable options. So again, this is just me ranting, but I think it's important that we look at this stuff because these things matter. 
But I want to get to some of your calls. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let's go to uh, Tom in Glendora, California. Tom, you're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you much, Mr. Valdez. You're doing a superb job. Uh, Thank you, sir. The show doesn't miss a beat with you replacing the great Mark. That is very kind of you. I really appreciate hearing no, that. really true. A quick aside here before I get to my main point of bulletin to Miss uh, Elizabeth Warren. We conservatives, I don't think, the overwhelming majority of us have never called a woman a fat broad or a horse faced lesbian. Let's make that clear. We don't deal in that. I think we leave that for Mike Bloomberg to do. That's, that's right. And my main point, and you've hit largely upon it, and most people know this, here's a slightly different twist. You have pointed out very rightly how corporations under the free market, under moral laws in the overwhelming majority of cases, create uh, a situation where a worker uh, or a buyer can get what he or she wants, the corporation profits, the consumer profits under freedom, the country flourishes, we're operating morally, and yet Bernie Sanders and the other pack of the socialist communists, we don't want to be run with by billionaires in corporate America. And the funny thing is, or the sickening thing is, while they denounce these great moral freedom, uh, free market corporations, these guys, these socialist communists like Warren and Sanders, want to create the biggest, most oppressive, quote, corporation of all, known as the repressive federal government, which will, with an iron uh, fist, dominate all of our lives. We'll have no options. We'll have no freedom. There'll be no free exchange. They will damn well tell us what we can eat, when we can eat it, when we can go take a dump, and how we'll live <laughs> our lives. And yet they tend, they say they're anti-corporation. They're the biggest, most oppressive, evil corporation of all when they get power. You're right. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I'm glad you went that far with it because it's so true. It, it I think too many times people don't realize if we don't think this through and we think it's just free school or free health care, free this, not realizing that the element of them taking over that part of our lives, that part of our decision making. So what happens? You're right. They will tell us what, where and when and how to do it. And I, I know this from many Cuban friends I have that told me, guess what? They may not tell you when you can go take a dump, but they will tell you how much toilet paper you get every month. And they've told me this. I've had friends from Cuba tell me, listen, you get whatever two rolls a month or whatever it is, make it make it last because everything is rationed. So I think you're spot on with that. And I'm glad that, you know, you're you're as we say today, you're woke. Thank you, Tom, for your call. And somebody else I was holding on here. I wanted to get to. Let's go to Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on with Rich Valdez. My question is about uh, Mayor Bloomberg and his unlimited funds. If he's the uh, presidential nominee for the Democrats, can he donate to the uh, Democrat National Committee unlimited amount of money that can then be dispersed amongst every Democrat House and Senate seat in the country? So what really I think what you're asking is a legal question, and it's about the decision, The um, I'm forgetting the name of the case, the Citizens United case, where it allowed money to be considered speech. So, yes, in a super PAC and in a 
nonprofit setting, you can give unlimited donations because it's considered speech. But to a specific campaign or candidate, you can't because those are very specific. So there's rules with that, and we definitely appreciate that. But that rings a bell for me with uh, some audio that I heard. And it was a debate between what we're talking about. It's, you know, this socialism, communism versus billionaire Bloomberg. And I'm not going to vilify Bloomberg. That's the only thing I like about him right now. A, that he was once a Republican and he did a decent job in the first year of maintaining Rudy Giuliani's policies in New York City. And B, that he made something of himself and created this company and used capitalism to get there. But this uh, audio cut that we have of Bernie Sanders at the debate on Wednesday night correcting uh, Mayor Bloomberg, uh, I think it's humorous, but it's also telling. Check this out. Senator Sanders, our latest NBC News Wall Street Journal poll released yesterday, two-thirds of all voters said they were uncomfortable with a socialist candidate for president. What do you say to those voters, sir? What was the result of that poll? Who was winning? The question's, the question's to you. Well, the question was that I was winning, and I think by a fairly comfortable margin. Mike mentioned that. But here is the point. Let's talk about democratic socialism, not communism, Mr. Bloomberg. That's a cheap shot. Let's talk about democratic. Let's talk about what goes on in countries like Denmark, where Pete correctly pointed out they have a much higher now, quality. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to correctly point out countries like Denmark. Countries like Denmark. Do you realize, you know, I, I, I was born in Brooklyn. I moved across the river into Jersey. You know, in New Jersey, we've got eight point something, almost nine million people. And countries like Denmark have six million people. Hmm. Isn't that something? What is Bernie Sanders talking about? Uh, Two thirds of New Jersey. He's referring to the entire, the entirety of the United States, making a comparison to two thirds of Jersey. But anyway, go ahead. Then we, what are we talking about? We are living in many ways in a socialist society right now. Problem is, as Dr. Martin Luther King reminded us, we have socialism for the very rich, rugged individualism for the poor. Wait a second. When Donald, let me finish. When Donald Trump gets $800 million in tax breaks and subsidies to build, to build luxury condominiums, that's socialism for the rich. When Walmart, we have to subsidize Walmart's workers who are on Medicaid and food stamps because the wealthiest family in America pays starvation wages. That's socialism for the rich. I believe in democratic socialism for working people, not billionaires. Health care for all, educational opportunity for all. It's like he broke. It's like they keep pressing the the button because that's his whole campaign, which I think is amazing. Talk about staying on message. He has a couple of of buttons. Medicare for all. That's one button. Then you have the other button. They're like liners in talk radio, right? You know, producer hits a liner. It's like the great one. Uh, He's got his own stinger and he comes out with a... Healthcare is a right. And he just repeats this and repeats this. And eventually people are like, I like that song. And they sign up for Bernie. But it's ridiculous. And this is how he does it. Not only is he bullying him in his debate and just over talking and not willing to engage because he's not. They ask a question. He obfuscates right away. Well, who's winning? All right. Whatever. You know, that's what you do when you're talking about a debate. What about when you actually have power? What about when you actually have the codes to the football, the nuclear football? What about when you're in the White House and you command the the Marines, when you're the commander-in-chief of all of the branches of the military? What about when you have the power 
that Obama had, President Obama, when he was spying on Trump. Can we trust Bernie Sanders with that awesome power? I'm not sold. Not on this debate performance. But there's more to this. Check this out. What a wonderful country we have. The best-known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax tax haven do you have your home? New York City, thank you very much. And I pay all my taxes. And I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. This is great. I could do this all day. I mean, these clips, they're really, really great. I watched the debate, but when you go back, you really get a lot out of it. Because these guys, it is a clown show. It's a literal, I don't want to say that. But it's it's one of those. You know what I mean? It really is. So I'm looking at this article. And, you know, despite what, what Bernie's talking about, NPR, right? A liberal bastion of news. NPR poll. Uh, we're talking about a poll. It's a NPR PBS News Maris poll. Check this out. Sanders rises, but socialism isn't popular with most Americans. Now, I'll give you a couple of lines from this. Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders speaks at a campaign event on Monday in Richmond, California, blah, 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 blah. Sanders is rising in the polls amongst Democrats, but questions about his electability versus Donald Trump persist. Why? Because he self-identifies as a democratic socialist. This new NPR PBS NewsHour slash Marist University poll backs up the idea that this label is hurting him. Asked about their impression of socialism, 28% of adults said they do not have a favorable view, while 58% said they had a very unfavorable view. So 28% said, okay, I could swallow it. 58%, no deal. This is the problem. So keep it locked right here. Straight ahead, we're going to be jumping into more of this capitalism versus socialism. We have some ridiculousness from our favorite congresswoman from Queens, all out crazy herself, AOC, and a whole lot more. And again, we're going to be leaking. Yes, we're leaking at the Mark Levin Show. We're going to be leaking a sneak preview of the um, exclusive interview that Mark Levin is doing with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. All of that when we come back. Keep it locked right here. I'm Rich Valdez. In for the great one. Lovin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com.
All right, America, welcome back again. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for Mark Levin, the great one. And we are having a great conversation about capitalism, socialism, civics, education. There's a few things on the table. But what I want to get to is some of your calls because obviously it's not a conversation if we don't have this dialogue. So let's get into that. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. And let's go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My man, Rocky, you're on with Rich Valdez. Rich, did a great job tonight pitch it, pitch hitting for the great one. Thank you, sir. I just want to say something. If I understood you correctly, a statistic came out that 10,000 students were homeless. No, not a statistic. York? Graffiti. Graffiti that I read walking down the stairs to the A train in the subway. It was written in like a Sharpie marker. And, and I was thinking, this, if this is true, this is insane. Let, let, let me just say this from my own personal. I was a poor kid going to college in the 80s, and I never was homeless. I didn't live in the Taj Mahal. But I lived in an efficiency apartment for three years while I was going to school. And it was a struggle. I'm not going to say it was easy. I had to count my pennies. But I never was homeless. I don't even believe that statistic. Oh, it's not a statistic, and I didn't believe it either. That's why I said if it's true. I just thought it was ridiculous, and it seemed like propaganda, which is what we we hear a lot of propaganda lately. But I think you're 100% Rocky, and I appreciate your commitment to your education. Before we go, I want to sneak one more call in. We've got a minute to go. Let's go with Ed in Atlanta. You're on with Rich Valdez. Rich, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Great job tonight. Likewise. When I... When I heard you say you were a Puerto Rican, I got so excited. I thought I was on this island all alone as a conservative <laughs> supporter. Born and raised in Massachusetts, on welfare to Puerto Rican parents. Oh, man. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot more of us than people think. I tell you, I left, I left Massachusetts at age 20, moved to Indiana, a red state, conservative, Republican, got into car business, had so much success in the car business, made it all the way to the top. And I tell you what, these these Democratic states, all they want to do is keep you down, man. Mm-hmm. All my fellow Puerto Ricans, if you can get out of there, find a career, it, it's out there for us. Excellent. I thought I was all alone, man. Nah, man. We're we're all in this together. There's a lot of people out there. There's this big Lexit movement of Latinos exiting the uh, Democratic Party. So we thank you, brother. I appreciate your call, Ed. God bless you. God bless America. And speaking of America, America, you guys need to tune in to Mark Levin. And if you don't, you got to get the podcast. The Mark Levin podcast is available free of charge wherever fine podcasts are sold. Not sold. But you know what I mean. And mine's there, too. So go check that out. Again, it's This is America with Rich Valdez. It's on all of the platforms. You can definitely check that out. I'm Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on social media. I'm sitting in for the great one. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. My name is Rich Valdez. I am your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Also known as Mr. Call Screener from The Mark Levin Show. I'm sitting in for the great one today because he's out on special assignment. 
And of course, by special assignment, I mean he's doing a one-on-one sit-down interview with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel. Big get, and we have the exclusive on it. I mean, we've got a little bit that we're going to leak out to you in a little bit. But it goes in line with a lot of what we've been talking about. And again, we want to get your thoughts on everything. So I'm going to give you the phone number. It's 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The witch hunt was started a while back. And it died with Mueller. And it was resurrected with the impeachment fiasco. And today, they're trying to bring it back again. They have a new scam to paint Trump as everything but the president. Everything but somebody that's being patriotic, saving their, saving their country, serving their country. Boosting the economy, boosting the stock market. Again, not single-handedly, of course. I mean, this is, this is a team effort. But it is the president that's put these policies out there and say, hey, let's roll back a lot of this red tape. Let's let people make money. And it's because he's a businessman. It's because he knows how to do these things. But they hit him again. Listen to this. After three years of ridiculous witch hunts and partisan Democrat crusades. By the way, I think they're starting another one. Did you see that? I see these phonies, these the do-nothing Democrats. They said today that Putin wants to be sure that Trump gets elected. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go again. Did you see it? A story. Aren't people bored? Now, does that include, because a couple of weeks ago, Crooked Hillary said Chelsea Gabbard, right? Tulsi Gabbard. And, right? She was a Russian agent, Tulsi. And also Stein. From Jill Stein. I don't know Jill Stein. I never met the woman. She is a Green Party candidate, or was. They said she's an agent of Russia. I don't know her, and I don't know Tulsi. The only thing I know about both of them is they're not agent. They are not agents of Russia. These people are sick. That's pencil neck. Pencil neck again. <laughs> and of course, by pencil neck, he's talking about Adam Schiff, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee who led this witch hunt. Now, I, I'm not going to belabor the point of the witch hunts. I'm not going to get into all that because I'm, you guys are Levinites. You guys are the smartest audience in talk radio. I won't bore you with that. But I will make a juxtaposition because I see so many similarities. And we brought this up in the first hour between the way they're going after Trump. I mean, let's not forget they went after Trump personally as the president. Yes, granted, fair game. It's politics. But they also went after his kids. They went after him in New York State Court. They're still they they're bloodthirsty. <laughs> they haven't stopped going after him, which I find amazing. But this is politics at its worst. And they're doing the same thing. They've been doing the same thing to Prime Minister Netanyahu to the point where they're going into their third election for prime minister because he would have been the favorite. But they keep putting more candidates in and splitting these votes. And so he remains prime minister. And they, they can't stand that. They can't stand the fact that he's there. So they want to get rid of him. And what do they do? Like the great one says, by hook or by crook, they want to get rid of him. But we've got the sneak peek preview Mark Levin, 
sitting down with Prime Minister Netanyahu. Check this out. I want to swing back to Iran. You've brought it up several times. Israel's greatest enemy. Right. President of the United States takes out Soleimani. Mm-hmm. He's criticized by some elements in our country, by some elements throughout the world. Now, why in the world would anybody criticize the President of the United States for taking out the number one terrorist on the planet? I think this was a great action. I think it was the first made print the first leader in the world to uh, applaud the president for this action. This uh, Soleimani was responsible for the deaths of thousands of innocent people, including Americans. Uh, he was the principal, I wouldn't say even um, executioner, I would say he was the architect and the generator of Iran's uh, empire. The, that, that is the aggressive expansion of Iran by building Shiite militias controlled by Iranian commanders that he appointed uh, in Iraq, uh, in Syria, uh, in, in, in Yemen, throughout the Middle East. Uh, and he, he, was, he was really the architect of Iran's uh, imperial ambitions, which knew no bounds. He killed people. He massacred people. And when the president took him out, he did a service not only for American security, but for the security of the Middle East and the world. And I can tell you, since I'm in contact with many Arab leaders, that's another change that has happened. Most of the Arab leaders in, in, in the Middle East, uh, and many of the Muslim leaders in Muslim countries around the world, they now have very strong relations with us. If you ask them what they'd vote for, you'd be surprised. There are bloggers in Saudi Arabia, you know, my, one of my most ardent fans, okay? He's a Saudi blogger who says, who came here, by the way, and he says, Bibi, Likud, only Likud, you know, and that's repeating itself ad nauseum everywhere. Well, you know, when I speak to the Arab leaders, they all applauded President Trump for knocking out the most dangerous terrorists that Iran has put uh, on earth. So I think, you know, I think he should be applauded, period. And that shouldn't be a partisan issue. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. It, listen, if you want more of that, because I'm upset that Mr. Producer just faded that out. I wanted to hear the rest of that interview. But we can't give you everything. That means set your DVRs, set your alarm clock. Do not miss the great one, Mark Levin, on his Fox News channel program, Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday at 8 p.m., sitting down with Bibi Netanyahu. Nobody else has it, so get it from Mark. Now, I want to go to a couple of calls, and I want to get into this a little bit. Because I think the prime minister talked about his own experience, but it's honestly a wide net indictment on so many rogue international actors seeking to influence United States voters or even Israeli voters with negative disinformation. It's the same playbook over and over. Lenin did it. Stalin did it. This is how they roll. But let's go to the phones. I want to go to... Roscoe, New York. Melina, did I get that right? Hi, you're on with Rich Valdez. Yes, I I am about 70 years old and I'm from Romania. And I would like to tell you a couple of things, if I may. Yes. I have a friend that since he was in the 20s as a teacher, he was put for 24 years in prison how many years? 24 years? Camps. Hello? You, you said 24 years of prison? Yes. For what crime? years in prison for political reasons because he, as a teacher, he will not deny his belief in, in Christ in that case. Wow. And he will not deny that 
um, the history of Romania. Black is white and white is black. Actually, they, he helped uh, write a book called Anti-Humans by the uh, Romanian prisoners. And one night, uh, one night, the police came in and arrested 5,000 people, intellectuals. Was this uh, during the USSR? Uh, well, yeah, this was in Romania. Oh, excuse me. And the communism. Terrible story. Okay. Anyway, um, the people in America thinks that, think that they, uh, they are poor. How would you like to stay in lines all night long, 18 kilometers away, going by bus, waiting in the freezing weather to wait in a line to maybe get some piece of chicken or some piece of meat? My, uh, my sister, after waiting, and uh, my her husband stay, uh, stayed in line for all night long, and after eight, uh, after all that time, she he ended up with a bag of chicken feet, which my sister won't open. They were blue, and she mm. threw it away. They started crying. Anyway, uh, they wouldn't have toilet paper, uh, calcium. People died because they didn't have aspirins. Young and old, they didn't have um, calcium, milk, or stuff. They didn't have heat. A slow genocide, in other words. Right. Really killing people through this attrition of not getting just basic life needs because they rely on the government for those simple needs. And that is a shame. And we definitely appreciate you giving us a call and sharing that with us because I think too few Americans realize the struggle that people went through, whether it was in the former Soviet bloc or in Romania, like your example, and for different reasons. But political prisoners are a real thing. And these tactics have been embraced by so many. And up next, I want to get into a little bit about that before we go into our next topic. But the reality is that totalitarianism kills. Socialism kills. Communism kills. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. I'm Rich Valdez with an S. Filling in for the great one. All right, America, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for Mark Levin, the great one. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show, our phone number, 877-381-3811. And we just heard from Benjamin Netanyahu sitting down with the great one, Mark Levin, for their exclusive interview, which will air on the Fox News Channel this Sunday night on Life, Liberty, and Levin. But there's a clip that I want to, a part of the clip that I want to replay, because, again, I think it, it speaks to a broader point of malfeasance at the international level. Uh, check this out. There are bloggers in Saudi Arabia, you know, my, one of my most ardent fans, okay? He's a Saudi blogger who says, who came here, by the way, and he says, Bibi, Likud, only Likud, you know? And that's repeating itself ad nauseum everywhere. Well, you know, when I speak to the Arab leaders, they all applauded President Trump for knocking out the most dangerous terrorist that Iran has put uh, on earth. So I think, you know, I think he should be applauded, period. And that shouldn't be a partisan issue. Now, he's talking specifically about support that he's got in the Arab community. He makes reference to this Arab blogger from Saudi Arabia. But it's that exact point that I want to talk about. 
check this out. A hundred years ago, 50 years ago, the United States has always maintained its position as a superpower by having the strongest military on earth, followed by the most solid economy. So what do you do if you're an enemy of the United States and you want to influence the United States, perhaps persuade some key influers inside of the United States to not view you or your country as an enemy? Right? You want to cover your tracks. You want to work against the United States while saying that everything is A-OK. What would be one of the easiest ways to do that? Well, you begin to persuade people that disseminate information. Who are these people that disseminate information? And how do they shape how we're thinking? Certainly reporters have this type of influence. Television anchors have this type of influence. People on radio, people that inform classrooms filled with either college students or grade school students. But what about policymakers? Could they be influenced by these mediums or even in and of themselves? So it's not necessarily outside of the realm of reason to think that. If they can't beat the United States military, perhaps they can convince the United States that well, we're really not your enemy. By telling people in these key institutions like universities and different departments within the government at every level and different individuals in the media. So to tie this back to the prime minister, he got maligned by people in the media in Israel. Governments from all over the country, excuse me, from all over the world, they plant influencers in different places, in different countries, to do this type of malfeasance. Let's get Bibi. We can't get him with the votes. We're going to our third election because we still can't knock him out. They can't form a government with the competitors. So let's put out some dirt on the guy. Let's get dirty. Let's play dirty. How do we do it? You know, and, and Saudi Arabia is, is not exempt from this. I mean, Jamal Khashoggi. I'm not going to indict the dead here, but I will say there's questions around the validity of his reporting. Questions about whether he was altruistic in delivering the messages that he delivered. So the question really becomes, if you can't beat a superpower like the United States or an ally of ours like Israel because of their military might, because of their strength in their economy, because they're well-established, you can try to convince them that, no, 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 we're actually your friend. Let me hire a PR firm. Let me send a good donation to a big think tank. Let me do something for goodwill. I don't have to worry about you bombing me if you don't perceive me to be a threat. And this is, in fact, what happens. And I'm not just talking about major offenders like Qatar and the millions that pour into Washington through different think tanks and paid media as well as lobbying, but I'm talking about why they do it. Corruption has many forms. Typically, it's always good versus evil. These state actors, these state governments that are in the middle lurking, 
anywhere, frankly, where, where they're allowing terrorists inside of their borders to operate. It's literally the same reason that Mexico allows cartels to operate. They become overpowered by them, but they, they started by turning a blind eye and take, and having an empty hand waiting for that payoff. That's how this whole corruption thing works. Oftentimes, a lot of this extremism that we see in these different countries in the Middle East is not about extremism as much as it is a payoff. They're allowed to exist because these guys have their hands out. Something that I've learned in politics, it's always about the money. And when it's not about the money, it's about the money. I'm Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on Twitter, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. The voice of sanity in an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. I'm looking at this article here, and it says, Socialism Killed My Father. And it's from last month's Reason magazine. Uh, The author is Jose Cordeiro. That sounds Brazilian or Portuguese to me, that last name, Cordeiro. But anyway, it's a really interesting story, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I urge you to read the whole thing. But uh, he talks about being in uh, many different places, you know, next to Brazil, next to Colombia, and he has to go back to Caracas, Venezuela, because his dad becomes ill. And he finds out, oh, my God, I have to go see my dad. But it was difficult for him to get back there quickly. So it it took a while, but fortunately when he gets back, his dad is still alive. And he's on dialysis because he was diagnosed with very severe kidney failure. So he had some family in Madrid that was going to meet him there. It's, It's a very complicated story. But I'm trying to cut to the chase here. And it says, because of the decimated air travel situation, we had to wait three weeks for the next available flight to Spain. There were few airline companies still operating in Venezuela, and they had reduced their flights dramatically because of the Venezuelan government controls. Sadly, the Caracas dialysis couldn't hold out that long. Just two days before he was scheduled to leave his adopted country, his father died because of the disastrous government policies on health care. And he says he still remembers it vividly, and he can't forget it. This is a terrible story. And it's real. It's a real story. And it's like, oh, my God. Wow. Yet you have these clowns in the Democratic Party that want to say this is the right thing to do. That this is healthcare is a right. This, we have this clown show here in America. Come on. Really? Come on. And then he wants to compare everything to Denmark. 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 So we just talked about. Venezuela, which is right next to Brazil, and we've got our friend Lucas calling from Brazil. Lucas, you're on the phone. Rich Valdez, what's up, brother? Well, Rich, I'm first. I have to say that I am truly and and sincerely happy that you are feeling with your calm and and uh, reasonable voice to the great one. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Nice show. You're one of the few people to say I'm calm and reasonable, so I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so. 
Rich, I'm calling you because actually you were talking about the the PR that some countries used to like to pretend that they are friends of the United States. Yeah. You know, here here in South America, uh since I am a kid in high school, um I was uh teached by uh, mostly uh, leftist teachers that we have here. Yeah, that, from the days uh, of Lula, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And I was teach, uh, but way before that, you know. Yeah. We were teach that uh, always that United States is this imperialist uh, and bad power throughout the world and etc. And uh, you know, it only gets worse, you know. And ju- just you're not alone. They actually teach that to American kids too. And this is what yeah. they've built the Democrat Party on. Yeah, that's the sad thing, you know. And uh, it's it's funny because Brazilians love uh, the, the the American way of life and the things that America uh, helped to create. We love cars. We love jeans wear. We love liberty. We love driving Amen. on the roads. We love to traveling. And we love uh, to vote. And we love everything that you hold uh, the great, you know. Yeah. And the thing is, United States. Oh boy, I miss the movies from the seventies and eighties, like the ho- hockey Balboa movies, where United States w- was actually uh, was actually praised as this beacon of freedom and everything. Yeah. And we don't have that anymore, you know. And that will help this educational system create the the the, the cultural environment to propaganda around the world. You know, I'm going to jump in. Uh, it's a, Don't stop, but I, I want to just make one comment. You're so right. This is, I think, one of the main reasons why being a conservative for me was a very natural thing. I grew up with Sergeant Slaughter, G.I. Joe, Rocky Balboa. You know, it's like as American as mom, the flag, apple pie. These are things that we love. This is America. And our media supported patriotism, a love of our own country. Sadly, that's no longer the case. Yeah, that's the thing. And uh, it's very easy for the young people to dislike United States, listening to the teachers here, uh, telling them that uh, United States is this evil imperialist uh, uh, country, and uh, going to the movie theater and hearing the same thing or not hearing anything about the greatness of the country. So I was educated. Uh, in this liberal uh, or leftist mm-hmm. uh, 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 educational system. But I also had the, these movies. I also had access to cultural uh, uh, um, content. Yeah. I think we, uh, we lost you, Lucas. But I get the gist of what you're saying. And, and the bottom line here is you're right. And this is the problem that I'm talking about. That's our own leftist propaganda at work inside of America. What I was referring to before, obviously, was a much more nefarious type of uh, influence where it's foreigners influencing the media in your own country to get you to hate yourself, which is, you know, an idea most people don't even fathom because you think, my God, we should love our country. But you're 100 percent right. And I thank you for giving us a call. It's always good to hear from you. I know you're in Brazil and it's not always uh, the best connection. But speaking of Brazil, I know that your president has been making strides towards liberty in Brazil. Uh, I believe his name is Jair Bolsonaro. And his son, Eduardo Bolsonaro, is going to be speaking at CPAC next weekend, as is the great one, Mark Levin, and his lovely bride, Julie Strauss-Levin. And they're going to be having a side-by-side, almost like a fireside chat without the fireside, uh, from the main stage at CPAC. 
And if you're on C-SPAN or if you're going to be there, we look forward to meeting with you. I, I know I look forward to meeting with you. I'm going to be there as well. Um, have the honor to be speaking from the main stage as well as part of a panel on immigration, border security, and keeping America safe. And I think that's a really important topic. And as a, a Latino, I think it's really important that we share with all Americans that immigration is not a Latino issue. It's a national security issue. And it's one that we really have to continue to discuss. But we talked about Denmark. And I have somebody who was from Denmark on the phone. Chris, you're on with Rich Valdez. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Nice to talk to you. Likewise, sir. I, I would very much like to share a story that I shared with Mark uh, last time I spoke with him. All right. Uh, my mother passed away in... Well, let me just back up. I'm, I, the notes say that you were born in Denmark. Is that true? All right. I, I was born in Denmark. I served in the Danish Army. I had a, a company out there with 60 people. Now, do you eat uh, Danishes? Until I finally had enough and came over No Danish for you? You know, I couldn't stand the totalitarianism. That was no, but is our Danishes part of your breakfast menu? All right, I gotta. We gotta have a word about this. There's no cheese Danish in Denmark. In Denmark, <laughs> we don't put cheese in our pastry. Cheese is not a right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Cheese is not Danish. Um, oh, wait a minute. This never mind. Um, <laughs> there's three things I want. I want to tell you. Because, actually, I don't want to tell you because you probably already know this. I would like to talk to Bernie Sanders supporters mm. because I think Bernie is wrong. Because I don't, th- I think he, I think he believes what he says, but I don't think he quite knows what the facts are. Let's start with the beginning. Number one, democratic socialists is what Lenin and Stalin called their party before they came to power and murdered over thirty million people. And Lenin always he wrote clearly, socialism's only function is communism. Mm-hmm. So that's the stepping stone. Now that was the that was the lighthearted part. <laughs> Denmark. Okay, we, they talk about free healthcare and they talk about the education system that is free. And all these wonderful things. Now, here's some things you don't know about Denmark. And I don't, don't get me wrong. I love my Danish friends. I served the nation. I, I was very proud of it. It was a wonderful country. It's wonderful people and good food. But the IRS has its own SWAT team. The IRS will show up uh, at the airport when people are going on holiday and pull people out of line to see if they have any government debts of various sizes. If they do, they'll confiscate your watch or your cash. They'll stop you driving Swedish or German cars to see if you actually own this car. If not, they'll confiscate the car. But you didn't know that about Denmark. Mm. Um, we pay between 39% taxes if you're a student. My mother paid 73% income tax on top of the 25% sales tax on top of the getting a car, 300% import tax. A $25,000 Harley-Davidson soft tail here will cost about $78,000 in Denmark. Just giving you some idea. Wow. Now, my mother, and God bless my mother, she died the same week Mark lost uh, his dad. Oh, man. And that's actually Sorry why to hear we that. spoke. Uh, she, worked, she actually has uh, references from the American president hosting NATO summits out there. And she was a great woman. And I want you Bernie Sanders supporters to listen to me and re- re- try to retain what I'm saying as if this was your family in a world where Bernie Sanders would be president and running the social health care um, she was, she paid 73% taxes. She retired there and was going to stay, but she became sick. You get health care in Denmark. You do. Everybody does get health care. They do in California as well. So we get health care, but it's not good care. 
it is a system that is so overworked that the doctors and nurses, even if they try, they cannot keep up. That my mother had to go to the hospital. She had gangrene oh in Denmark God. because the doctors didn't have time and because she was denied the vein graft because she was too old. It wasn't deemed wow. necessary. And we're talking about my mother who worked out her whole life. She was on the treadmill three hours a day with gangrene until two days before they decided had to take her leg off. She went to the hospital. I stayed in the bed next to her to make sure she was fed. Her blood pressure was taken. She got her medicine because the doctors and nurses were simply too overworked to always have time to check on that. Mm -hmm. She had a stroke on Friday afternoon. The nurses brought her aspirin. Aspirin. I couldn't find a doctor to actually take a look at her over the weekend. Couldn't find a doctor until Monday. She had her leg taken off despite having a stroke and couldn't talk. I was told about the stroke because I finally got them to understand she needed an MRI. She got the MRI half an hour before she passed away, holding wow. my hand. Ten minutes after that, the doctor came. Oh, yeah, you were right. She had a, she had a stroke. Too bad we didn't catch it in time. She would have lived. And this is, sadly, the norm with socialized medicine. This is the norm when you hear Bernie Sanders shouting, healthcare is a right. This is the true sadness that accompanies that. I thank you so much for sharing that story, Chris. It's truly sad. It's And honestly, so many elements of it are something that I lived myself here in the United States with my own dad holding his hand until he passed away of a stroke. So don't want to put a damper on things, but that's Bernie Sanders. That's what he wants for America. I'm not having it. I say hell no to that. Give us a call. one 381 3811 877-381-3811. I'm Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all social media. This is the Mark Levin Show. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. This is Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter and all social media. Our phone number here is 877-381-3811. We are going to get to your calls. But I'm looking at this article, and it's just interesting, right? It's a Newsweek article from February 17th. My mom's birthday, God rest her soul. It says nearly half of voters say they could not vote for a, quote, democratic socialist. New poll finds. And, of course, this is 46% of voters say they would not consider casting their ballot for a presidential candidate who calls himself or herself themselves a democratic socialist. The primary survey conducted by Yahoo News and YouGov from February 12th and 13th found that only 35% of voters would consider voting for a democrat socialist, while 18% said they weren't sure. So it doesn't sound good for the socialists. It doesn't sound good for the tax-and-spend liberals that want to take your money. We just heard how deathly socialism can be. But yet people still sip that Kool-Aid. So let's bring it to the tape, right? I think we have audio from our favorite congresswoman from New York, representing the Bronx and Queens, the 14th district. It's none other than AOC all out crazy. Listen to this. Do you know how many what percent of American workers make less than $40,000 a year? Mm -hmm. Almost 
Mm. 60% of Americans who can't are, live on that in New York. You can't live on no that way. in New York, and you can barely live on that anywhere. You can't you can live, live on, on that if you have kids. No. And, um, and I think that that reality, personally, does require a paradigm shift. Um, this isn't working for us. And a $2.1 trillion tax cut, which has been deemed capitalism at its finest, doesn't work for us. Right. Um, dying, you're losing your husband because he couldn't afford insulin, because big pharma cares about profits more than people, as capitalism at its finest, does not work for us. Okay, so notice how it works, right? If I say something pro-capitalism, they say I'm a racist. They say I'm immoral. If you say but capitalism's working, the stock market's going up, wages are beginning to increase, we're seeing things trend in the right direction, they say you can't afford diabetes. They say you can't afford this. They say you can't afford school. You've got college debt. You've got this. You've got that. Healthcare is a right. Then you can't afford your diabetes medicine. I mean, this is how their logic works. You tell me, where's the sense in that? If people aren't making enough money, we have to work harder. We have to try and make more money. I mean, this is how the economy works. It's supply and demand. Right now, we're moving into a a new type of economy, which I find very interesting, where skilled trades are coming back. So, you know, it reminds me of like the Bush era. I remember the criticism in the Bush era was... Oh, you know, you can't make money in the stock market unless you're 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 invested in Lockheed Martin and Halliburton and Exxon. And I I would think to myself, why aren't you buying Lockheed Martin, Halliburton, and Exxon Mobil? Like, what what? How much of an idiot are you? If those are the ones that are going up, why aren't you buying those? It's that simple. Follow the trend. If you know there's too many lawyers in America, don't become a lawyer. If there's not enough DJs in America, become a DJ. This is the point I'm making. And I, and I, I recently drove down to West Virginia, and it was a different world, a different way. I asked the, uh, the cab driver, um, I, I took an Uber somewhere, and I said, what's there to do around here? And he tells me, heroin. Blew me away. And I'm not bringing a new topic of heroin in, but... It blew me away to the point that their capitalism is is still on the rise. It's not where it needs to be. Stick with us. 877-381-3811. Rich Valdez in for the great one. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, America, welcome back. It's hour number three. I am Rich Valdez, your Latino-loving, actually, liberty-loving Latino amigo. Sometimes I get tongue-tied saying that stuff. 
but I'm here. It's me, Mr. Call Screener. I'm here with you guys. This is hour number three of America's Town Hall, as the great one says. This is a conversation that I've been enjoying with you guys this evening. We have lots of people on hold. We're going to get to those calls, but we have a lot of material to put out there. So I'm going to put it out there. And I want to give a quick shout out to so many people that have been sending us lots of uh, encouragement. I appreciate that. And of course, I appreciate Mr. Producer, Rich Cementa. Great job. And, of course, Madame Call Screener, Jennifer Ramirez. Jen Ramirez is doing a great job. She is of Mexican descent and from Arizona. And that's where President Trump was uh, the day before yesterday. And I found it interesting because I recognized a voice in watching this Fox News clip where I said, I, I know that voice. And I think she uh, – not I think. I know. It was a caller that called here that I happen to know who's a very big activist with the uh, Lexit movement, the Latino exit from the Democrat Party. And she made some amazing points on Fox News. So uh, listen to this. If the Democrats are the party of the Latina people, Latino people, excuse me, you said heck no. Why? Absolutely not. Uh, In reality, uh, the Democrat Party are the most racist party. Like, look at how they treat Latinos. Like, we're inferior. Like, we are little helpless victims that need handouts. They're not empowering Latinos at all. You know who's empowering Latinos? Donald Trump. He's creating jobs. He's creating opportunities for us. We came here to this country for the opportunities that this country has given us. So, yes. Donald Trump is uh, empowering us, not Democrats. Democrats are the enemy of Hispanics. Democrats are the enemy of Latinos. Legal immigrants. Democrats don't help. What they're doing isn't helpful. AOC wants to give handouts. But that's one Trump supporter right there at that rally that you just heard that had a lot to say. And I think... I think the president may have heard her because here's what he had to say at today's rally. Pretty good. When I'm on a debate, they're saying, we're going to do this. So I said, listen, we have the best unemployment numbers in the history of our country. African-American unemployment, Hispanic-American, Hispanic. We got a lot of Hispanic. I love Hispanic. Who in this audience is Hispanic? Yeah, we're doing great. I'm dying over here. Hispanic. We love Hispanic. Hispanic is huge. We love Hispanic. Oh, man, I love the president. I love his humor. I love his candor. Uh, he makes he makes light of, of terrible situations because sometimes you have to. But he's celebrating a good situation here. Yes, numbers look really good. More and more black Americans are doing well, African Americans doing well, Latino, Hispanic, however you want to slice it. One day I'll do a podcast on the whole Hispanic versus Latino thing because a lot of people think they're interchangeable. They're not necessarily. But uh, hey, Hispanic is the one I prefer. Hispanic, I love Hispanic too, Mr. President. Thank you for that. But every single Hispanic that I know also supports not only the president, but supports legal immigration. Coming into the country legally is just safe. It's national security. It's not, this isn't about black and brown, black and brown. We hear that all the time, this black and brown. I'm, I, when you hear me using it, just so you know, this is a um, uh, disclaimer. This is me taking shots at the left. I don't normally refer to myself as the brown guy. I do this in jest because... That's how they do it. I mean, just imagine if I were to say, oh, my white producer, my brown producer. I've got two producers here, the, my white one and my brown one. You can do that in jest, and I've heard people do it. But it's because they really live their lives, the left, 
through the lens of racism. That's how they view you as a racist. They even view me as a racist, and I am the brown guy. But all that being said, the president has done so much to combat illegal immigration. And he's waged war on sanctuary cities. And the reality is that sanctuary cities kill Americans. I'm reading an article in Axios. It says, Trump has declared war on sanctuary cities. Armed with subpoenas, lawsuits, and immigration SWAT teams, the Trump administration has declared war on sanctuary cities. Here's the big picture. President Trump and his administration have used every available tool to crack down on local governments that refuse to hold unauthorized immigrants, illegal aliens, in criminal custody, blocking immigration agents from working inside of county jails or denying federal authorities access to immigrants' records. This is a big deal. And uh, again, to reference the great one, this is his show. He's repeatedly said that this nullification, that this is the basis that they're using, is unconstitutional. And this is why Attorney General Barr has had to come and bring the heat with subpoenas, with these tactical teams bringing Border Patrol into it. And this is important. Now, a couple of key points from this article. Former ICE Director Tom Homan told Axios that during his 34 years working in immigration enforcement, the Department of Homeland Security never had to subpoena another law enforcement agency. Most of the info that's being subpoenaed is real, uh, excuse me, already available to ICE through the FBI. And this is according to John Sandwick. They're saying that this move is symbolic of how deep the relationships between DHS and state and local law enforcement has broken down. This is a big deal. This is literally cop to cop. We can't work with each other anymore because of politics. Forget safety. Your safety is on the line right now. And if you don't think it's your safety, stick with me. We're going to get there. More than 100 Customs and Border Border Protection Agents with some special tactical training are being deployed to help ICE agents in the field in certain cities, namely New York and California. It takes a lot more resources when you lose the efficiency of working inside of a jail or getting called to a jail to pick up unauthorized immigrants. This is Homan. I'm quoting Homan. So here's the bottom line. The cops are saying locally, we're out. And why are they out? This isn't on the cops. This is on the politicians. Like Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles. This guy comes out, puts it on social media, proudly saying... I'm not going to do it. And then, in almost puppet-like fashion, and no disrespect to the chief, but the chief is right next to him, and he's wringing his hands. He's like, literally, you you would think the chief is going to rip the fingers off of his own hands while he makes this statement. You've got to see this video. We're going to play the audio for you, but you've got to see it. Because, you know, seeing is believing. But listen to this. No matter their immigration status, I want every Angelino to know their rights and how to exercise them. Remember, you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to open your door to an ICE agent that doesn't have a warrant signed by a judge. You have the right to speak to a lawyer before signing any documents or speaking to law enforcement. And if you need help finding an attorney, you can call 311 and learn more about our Justice Fund and other resources that offer legal support. And whenever possible, keep a record of everything that happens. Take note of an officer's name and badge number, of when and where you're being questioned, 
so you can use that information in your own defense. And most importantly, I want you to know you do not need be afraid. Your city is on your side. And rest assured, here in Los Angeles, we are not coordinating with ICE. So there it is, both the mayor and the police chief, arm in arm, figuratively, saying, hey, we're not playing ball. We're going to allow these sanctuary cities to continue. But again, I'm telling you that these sanctuary cities are deadly. They're killing Americans. There are criminal aliens that are slipping through these cracks that are being created. They're beyond fissures. They're becoming chasms. Why? Because of the politicians. Because of their leftward lurch into this borderless society, which is creating utter lawlessness. And it, to me, it's it's really out of it, it's hard to, to imagine that because of your own politics, you would rather promote something that's unsafe for not only you, but for all of your fellow Americans. But this is what they believe. Now, I'm looking at JustFacts.com. They have great info on uh, immigration, on lots of major stuff. But I'm quoting here from their report on illegal immigrants are far more likely to commit serious crimes than the U.S. public. And there's a bunch of uh, sources cited here. But here's one that I like. It's from census data. They measure a four-year period, and it shows that non-citizens are 7% more likely than the U.S. population to be incarcerated in adult correctional facilities. This alone debunks the common media narrative before it even scratches the surface of criminality amongst illegal immigrants. Secondly, the Department of Justice data reveals that in the decade ending in 2015, I guess that was the last decade they could count, the U.S. deported at least 1.5 million non-citizens who were convicted of committing crimes in the U.S., and there's reference to a table. This amounts to 10 times the number of non-citizens in U.S. adult correctional facilities. That's a staggering number to me. The amount of people getting deported is more than 10 times the amount of non-citizens in jail. So if you want to make a correlation, there's one that you could make there. People that don't understand the lay of the land, people that are predisposed to breaking the law, perhaps because they come from that country and they entered this country legally, are more apt to breaking the rules. Now, if you're envisioning somebody that looks like me when you do that, shame on you. I'm not talking about Latinos and brown people. I'm talking about criminal aliens, and they can look like anything. This is not necessarily a Latino issue, but it is predominantly one. (coughs) So, where does this leave us? This leaves us with this article I want to read you. Check this out. It's a short, quick one. Washington Examiner. So Trump hits back. He slams the L.A. mayor for urging illegals to beat the system. Saying, no matter their immigration status, uh, I want every Angelino. You just heard that. Trump comes back saying it's a disgrace. Saying it's immoral. And it is. And this is why it's so important for us to really understand these issues. So when we come back, I want to play you something that I found out through a family member. And I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to shock you. You may have heard this story, but you probably haven't heard it this way. Again, I'm Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. Mark Lovin. Mark 
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez. Our phone number, one 381 3811 I am sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. I want to hear from you. We've got sanctuary cities and immigration policy on the table. And it's been a year since President Trump has declared a national emergency at the border, and it's working. Illegal border crossings are down. Apprehended individuals are being sent back home. That's a good thing. You know, I read an article in Daily Signal it says that enforcement actions are also being decreased as much as 10% just last month in January. So this is good. Things are on, you know, they're trending downward. We're deporting less people because less people are coming in. But it doesn't mean that we don't have a problem. It means that we're addressing the problem. And that's why the president had to enlist the support of the federal border patrol officers to do the now vacant job that was being done by local law enforcement of saying, hey, we've got these bad guys on local crimes they've committed. And, you know, it's your guy. Immigration's a federal issue. So come pick up your guy, you're the feds, and deport them. But now the politicians have gotten in the way. And they're saying, no, no, no. No more calling your federal colleagues. No more calling the ICE officers. No more using the FBI database. No more, none of that. So Trump gets together with the Border Patrol Association and gives a speech. And it was a moving one. And it, it shows you how much he thinks outside the box. Because I've got to tell you, again, as as a Hispanic, while I don't think that matters, I think as any American should say, we don't support illegal immigration. It's not a very difficult concept. But for some reason, people try to play the race card over and over and over. But so if that's what they're going to do, that's what I'll do. I'll play their intersectional politics of identity game and I'll say, I'm not with it. All right. But here's Trump with the Border Patrol Association. In my state of the union address, I shared the tragic story of Maria Fuentes, a 92-year-old great-grandmother who was allegedly raped, beaten, and murdered by a criminal illegal alien in New York City. I think I can, uh, no, I don't think, I'll take the word allegedly out. Do you mind if I do that? See, the lawyers put it in. If you don't mind, I'll leave it out. She was raped, beaten, and murdered. Only five weeks before the murder, the criminal alien had been arrested for assault. ICE asked for the criminal to be turned over, but instead 
He was ordered released under New York City's sanctuary laws. If New York had simply honored ICE's detainer request, very simple thing to do, Maria Fuentes could be with her family right now. So I heard this story on Fox 5 News. That's a local Fox affiliate in New York. I watched it on TV. Uh, Rosanna Scotto, I think, was talking about it in the morning on Good Day New York about three weeks ago or so. Then I saw it in the New York Post. And I said, man, it's a terrible story. And I saw it on Fox News. Then I get a text just maybe a week ago, five days maybe, from my brother. Sends me a text and he's like, check this out. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw it. And then he writes back that this is his sister-in-law's grandmother. And I was like, wow, you mean like there's a few degrees of separation here? These people are like friend of the family, extended family? And he's like, yeah, can you believe that? So-and-so's fiance, that's that's his grandmother. And I was like, wow, that's just mind-boggling because this is serious. And like the president said, this isn't alleged. This was kind of caught on tape. This is a disgrace. And we're going to jump into this. I'm going to share with you a conversation I had with her this morning. Keep it locked right here. Because... It's a really moving story. But again, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you our phone number because I am going to do a podcast with her. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. And she's going to be my guest next week on the podcast and share just a, just a horrific story. And you're going to hear part of it now because she was there with the president as he gave this speech. But again, our phone number, 877-381-3811. I'm Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on social media. And I am filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. All right. Welcome back, America. This is the Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on Twitter. And we're talking about immigration and sanctuary cities. But do not forget, please remember, we've got the great one sitting down with Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, one-on-one exclusive interview airing this Sunday at 8 p.m. on the Fox News Channel. 
That's Life, Liberty, and Levin, exclusive with BB Netanyahu. Don't miss that. Set your DVRs. Remind yourself on your smartphone. Do what you got to do. This is a banger. You don't want to miss this. Now, for those of you that do miss things, you can always catch this show, The Mark Levin Show, on a podcast. That's right. The great one. You can go to marklevinshow.com and download the podcast from there. You can go to iTunes. Not iTunes. Excuse me. I just dated myself. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and do that. And you can also, while you're there, just click subscribe on This Is America as well. That's This Is America with Rich Valdez, my podcast, where I'm going to have Daria Ortiz, the granddaughter of the woman that President Trump was just talking about in the last segment, who was, yes, allegedly strangled, raped, and murdered. And we say allegedly because you have to, but the reality is a lot of this was caught on tape. And this sick guy said some crazy things. But I want you to hear from her in the speech that she gave uh, alongside President Trump last Friday. Check this out. The tragedy in all of this is the fact that this could have been avoided had there been no sanctuary law. The tragedy... (laughs) Is my grandma's not ever going to be here again? (laughs) The man... The man that is responsible for this should have never had the opportunity to do this. Had his multiple offenses had not been ignored. The system not only failed our family, but it failed our city. This isn't a failure. This is a failure of epic proportion. I mean, it's a disgrace. Like I said, I spoke with Daria Ortiz this morning after I found out that we were somehow uh, connected through a couple of degrees of separation through family. And man, nice girl. I, I, I really could relate with her grandmother because of just our family background and our culture. I really got it. This was a woman that did nice things for people in her community. She was out late because that's what she did. She went to the bakery to get the bread that they were discarding to help other people out. Thinking ahead. That's why she was out at midnight. Getting the leftover bread that they were going to throw out. Because she was going to give it to strays and homeless and whatever. She was trying to help. 92 years old, this woman. And what happens? This crazy guy. And I say crazy because, I mean, you've got to be demon-possessed. You've got to be crazy to see an old woman crossing the street and want to attack her. And do it right there. Strangle, rape, choke her to death. Absolutely disgraceful. This is why I support the president's war on the sanctuary cities. She's right. This could have been avoided. This didn't have to happen. But it did. And it did because the Democrats are pushing this policy. People like to say, oh, they're ramming things down our throat. This is what's being rammed down our throats. Sanctuary cities are killing Americans. And so many of us are sitting back and watching it happen. We can't allow this to happen. De Blasio, Cuomo, and every other mayor and governor that support these nullification policies that say, hey, states' rights, we're allowed to do this, our cops, our rules. No. Immigration's a federal issue. 
and they need to do more of it. So kudos to the president for stepping up his uh, war on sanctuary cities. And I only hope he can bring more of it because we already know what we get on the other side. If you don't know, let's listen to Joe Biden. Here's what Joe Biden has to say about what's happening on the other side. Check this out. Nobody, and some of you are going to get mad at me with this, but nobody is going to be deported in my first 100 days until we get through the point that we find out the only rationale for deportation will be whether or not, whether or not you've committed a felony while in the country. So there you go. There are the Democrats. That's their proposal. This is what they're going to do. Nobody gets deported. Nobody. It's a free-for-all. More abuelitas get to get killed. How disgusting is that? More grandmas are at risk of rape and murder. And I'm, I'm not trying to, to be a boogeyman. I'm talking about a real story. I'm talking about a real person that I talked to today that lived in Florida and now lives in Jersey and told me about her grandmother who was a churchgoer and was very conservative in her values and was walking across the street right around the corner from her house and was attacked by a dude that before they could even get to the sidewalk, like a dog in heat, attacked this old woman. They found DNA evidence on his genitalia. His response, oh, I saw her falling down. So I, I also, uh, you know, tripped trying to help her, picking her up. And in doing so, when I fell down, it hit my belt buckle and I became exposed. And it rubbed up against her. This is the insanity that this man is pleading. And he's probably going to say he's criminally insane to avoid some sort of death penalty. Who knows? I mean, it doesn't seem like the politicians want the bad guys to be put away. But this is an absolute disgrace. But again, kudos to Trump. Because from December to January, like I said, there was a 10% decrease in uh, apprehensions and whatnot. And the reason that there, you know, there's these inadmissibility decisions and these other enforcement actions, it's because of a policy called the MPP, the Migrant Protection Protocol. Now, this is when they quickly uh, process these asylum claims and they adjudicate them and they are sent back to their home country. So these migrant protection protocols were put in place because of the humanitarian and security crisis that was happening at the southern border. This is now allowing individuals entering Mexico from different places to to wait in Mexico and receive the aid that they need right there instead of having to illegally enter Mexico and then illegally enter the United States yet again. So they wait in Mexico while their requests are being processed. This was something that Trump put into effect probably about 90 days ago. It's You go to the safest third country if you're seeking asylum. And these partner nations now serve as uh, immediate nearby waiting rooms for these asylees that are in danger, giving them what they need right away. So all of that to say, this is a complicated process, and, and I understand it. And I know, I know not everybody understands it, 
But we have a caller that wants to talk about this process who came here as a legal immigrant. So let's go with Josie. Josie, you're on the line with Rich Valdez. Welcome hey, to the program. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Um, how are you? Yes, I came in 1971 as a student uh, with a U.S. diplomatic family. And they apply uh, after a couple of years. They applied for me to become a U.S. resident. And he had to sign some paperwork saying that they would be responsible for me, that I was not going to live off the system. And then I waited five more years to become a U.S. citizen. And we have to go through the test and all these x-rays and fingerprints and everything. So I did it the legal way. So let me just uh, stop you right there. So you just said you waited five years to get through the first process and another five years to actually become a citizen. Two years for the first one and five years for the second. All right, so seven years that you yes. invested to become an American citizen. But yes. there are people that just sneak in. They're here. They do their thing, and now the government, uh, at least the governors and the politicians in these sanctuary states, they want to bend over backwards to to help these guys live off the system. How does that make you it feel? It makes me angry that many people are still on waiting lists to become U.S. citizen, and we have to go through the process, and these people want to come illegally. And not only that, they want to come for all the freebies. What can I get for free? Because they're not giving anything back to America. They're takers. They're not, they're not doing anything for us here. Uh, but my main point that I wanted to also say is um, I grew up in Chile in 1973 when Allende, September 11, was uh, a murder. That, is that during and Pinochet? I, yes. I was there in Chile. And we had U.S. diplomatic passport, and they had machine guns in my chest. Wow. Uh, they were intimidating their whole family because we were U.S. diplomatic. And let me tell you, there was dead people everywhere, students, because Pinochet was making the country communist. And I was born in Nicaragua, so my whole family in the 80s, they've been through uh, the Sandinista with Daniel Ortega. Oh, Ortega, of course. We know Bernie Sanders absolutely adores Daniel Ortega. Exactly. And I'm afraid and sad. I went to bed crying the other day when I seen all those young people behind Bernie Sanders, like cheering for him because they're clueless. They don't have a clue what communist is. I do. I live through it. I know what communist is. Wow. And it's seeping in so fast here. And they're lying to our children in America. And it breaks my heart to see America like this. Well, thank you, Josie. I mean, nobody can ponerle punto más than you just did. Nobody can add punctuation and put a point to that better than you did because, wow, that's that's the real deal. That's the real deal. And I, you know, it's funny you say that because I've spoken with people from Chile who tell me, look, things were so bad before Pinochet. He was welcomed because he was ruling with a strong hand. And what what I what I the problem I have with that is that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing lawlessness in sanctuary cities. They're letting criminals come right out of jail. No bail, no problem, no nothing. It's a free for all. We have this lawlessness that's growing in our society. What's going to happen? People are going to want law and order. They're going to turn to the government. So, you know, it, it's literally, it's like Lenin and like Stalin. They, they use the system to break the system. This Cloward, uh, Cloward Piven strategy that Mark Levin's talked about. This is how they do it. They create havoc so they can then come in and say, all right, we'll fix it. Don't worry. I'll put the military on the street. I will post up guards in your house. I'll be in your house. 
And this is where you blur the lines between having a government and being a subject of your government. That's not where I want to be. That's not what America's all about. I'm Rich Valdez. We're at 877-381-3811. It's the final stretch, but keep it locked. We got a little bit more to go, and I want to share something with you on the other side of this. You're listening to The Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. This is the final stretch. We're going to be getting to some of your calls. Our phone number, 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on social media, but we do have a website, richvaldez.com. But before I plug me, I want to plug the great one. Mark Levin is going to be with his lovely bride, Julie Strauss-Levin, at CPAC main stage Saturday morning. They're going to be discussing lots of really important things that you do not want to miss. So if you're at CPAC... Yeah, not tomorrow. We're talking about next Saturday. Uh, And that Friday, I'll also be there discussing um, immigration, border security, all of that stuff from my perspective as a conservative commentator. And I'm happy to be there. So check them out at CPAC. But we also have the cops, right? Local cops are being forced to do different things that they may not want to do with, with these sanctuary city policies. So I want to hear from the cops if we have time to do that. But I want to go to Jose. Jose's in Chicago. Jose, you're on with Rich Valdez. What's going on? Uh, hey, how you doing? Great. Um, just real quick, I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, I noticed that uh, uh, in the beginning statement, you said you was Puerto Rican. I'm actually Puerto Rican, too. Oh, uh, man, that's really awesome. But um, I'm going to try to be real quick. Um, just uh, what I was telling um, um, the person earlier just like how the Roman Empire was one of the greatest empires on earth, the reason why the, it fell was during corruption. That's how it got weak. But what really destroyed it was the barbarian invasion. And I don't mean to sound like like anti-immigration in any way, but I do. That, That's fine. 
<laughs> I'm happy to be anti-immigration. I, I support shutting it down, honestly. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that make an argument for we need this and we need that. You know, I say, hey, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's take a break and see how much we need. Let's let's take a break and see how many Americans can actually rise to the challenge. So many of us go to the hospital and when my dad was ill, when my mom was ill, and every doctor I met seemed to be trained in a foreign country, born in a foreign country. Makes me think, why don't we have American doctors? Why? Because our education system has gotten so weak from primary education straight through post-secondary into doctoral. So this is a, a clear uh, and present danger, if you will, facing America, that we're not training our people well enough that we have to import new talent. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't import new talent. If We want the best and the brightest. If the best and the brightest come from somewhere else, amen, so be it. But that doesn't mean we should take a back seat to investing in our own people so that we can do better. So I think you have a great point, and I appreciate your call about the Roman Empire. Yes, we've seen how it went for the Romans. It went badly because there were things they didn't do to safeguard their empire. And that's why we don't have an empire. We have a republic. And thank God our founders did safeguard so many of these things. But despite their best efforts, we've had these crazy leftists. And I mean, that's the best way to describe them. Crazy leftists that have come after Trump and really coming after America, coming after all of us for supporting Trump for supporting someone that's going to take on the establishment, for supporting someone, a real estate guy from New York, that says, you know what? We're going to break a few plates here, but we're going to get this thing done. That's why I support him, because he keeps it real. He keeps it real, and if he has to get a little gangster, he keeps it gangster too. And how could you not like that? I mean, and then he, he's just funny. I love Hispanic. I mean, come on. that That's just classic right there. That's huge. But bottom line here, what I tell everybody all the time when I sign off, we don't have Ray Charles for you today, but we do have me. So I will say this, sir. Edmund Burke says, all that's necessary for evil to thrive is for good people like you to do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something. Read something. Get active. Get involved. That's the only way. That's the only way. Again, check out Mark Levin, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 8 p.m. on Sunday. Then next week, Saturday, at CPAC. Until the next time, America, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for absolutely anything. Thank you for listening to The Mark Levin Show. I am Rich Valdez at richvaldez.com and at Rich Valdez on social media. Good night. God bless you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.